chapter 1, 2 Peter chapter 1, page 1018, if you'd like to use a Bible from the church. Thank you guys for leading us as we get to sing to the Lord this morning. Just always grateful for the, the work that you guys do to help lead us in, in worship. While we're going to look just at a sliver of verse 7 in 2 Peter chapter 1, once again I want to read from verse 1 all the way down through verse 8. These are God's words for us this morning. And here's what God says. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason. Make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly kindness, a brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. You may be seated. Thank you. word like your word. And our prayer, Father, now is that as we look more closely at, at this segment of your word, that the very same Holy Spirit who wrote these words through the Apostle Peter would now etch these words into our hearts and lives, that you would, uh, that you would reshape us and transform us into the very things that these verses speak of, for we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're taking 11 weeks this summer and uh, considering the 11 verses in 2 Peter chapter 1. In particular, we, uh, we're hunkered down. We're spending seven of these 11 weeks looking at verses 5, 6, and 7, looking at the seven uh, character traits that the apostle Peter has exhorted all who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ to supplement to their faith or add to their faith these, these traits. Virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, and love. Two things I want us to think about this morning as we zero in just on that that trait of brotherly affection that you and I are to, to supplement 
our faith with, that we're to add to our faith, that, that all who name the name of Jesus should be concerned about this thing called brotherly affection. And, 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 and not only how we should be concerned about it, but how we should be cultivating uh, these traits of brotherly affection in our hearts and in our lives. First, let me just spend probably the most amount of time under the heading of considering brotherly affection. Two questions I want to ask about brotherly affection. First, what is this thing? And in particular, how does this thing, brotherly affection, differ from the next thing, which don't look there yet, that's next week, love. There's a a certain overlap of of descriptions, and and yet there's something distinct. He's not just wasting words here. There's something distinct about brotherly affection that's maybe not fully characteristic of the notion of love, and yet brotherly affection is a certain kind of love. So what is this thing? Well, in fact, my translation reads brotherly affection, although you may have a translation that reads brotherly kindness, which is probably what I'm most familiar with. So if you hear me use that term more than affection, it's because it's still stuck into my, in my brain. So brotherly affection, brotherly kindness, or just simply other translations just would read brotherly love. And the, the best way to maybe parse out the s- subtle difference between love next week and brotherly affection or kindness this week is um, brotherly affection was a very um, uh, exclusive term. Uh, it, was, um, it was a family word. It was a word that described the love and the kindness and the affection uh, that uh, families showed to each other. Uh, it, it, literally, it means um, love as a brother. Uh, so, brotherly affection, brotherly kindness, brotherly love, it, it, is, it gives description to how uh, family members uh, are called to particularly love each other. But the New Testament takes that word that was common in the broader culture that spoke of the kind of uh, regard that uh, kinfolk ought to have for each other, that, that blood brothers ought to have for each other. And the New Testament bumps out that word of brotherly affection and uses it not literally for the, the, the regard that um, literal kinfolk, physical uh, blood relatives ought to have for each other, but it's descriptive of how fellow believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, fellow followers of Christ, are to regard each other as brothers and sisters. And as such, we are to, reha- we are to have the regard for each other as brothers and sisters that brothers and sisters are to have for each other. In other words, uh, we've been brought into a new family. We, we are now spiritually kinfolks with each other. How is that? Well, if you're here this morning and uh, you're trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, then the the Scripture uh, says something profound and incredible, and that is uh, we are in in this beautiful union with Jesus. 
a spiritual reality that we are united with Jesus. His life is now our life. Our life has now come to a termination point and it's now been swapped out with the very life of Jesus. Christ is now our life. We are now hidden with God in Christ. But guess what? If you belong to Jesus with such a union as close and as secure and as intimate as that, then where does that leave every other believer in the Lord Jesus Christ? That leaves them in the same kind of bond or union that each of us have. And, and so if, if I'm in a bond of union with Jesus and you are in a bond of union with Jesus, then where does that leave each other? Then we are in that same kind of dynamic bond or union with each other. In fact, our, our bond with each other in Christ is closer, it is stronger, and it is more long-lasting than our mere physical union with our kinfolks. In other words, because we, we share together in common what no mere, just mere kinfolks share in common, we share a bond and a union with the, the central person, the God of the entire universe. We share a bond with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is an eternal, permanent bond. I don't want to be dramatic or, or morose about this, but every one of us is going to die And after we die, then those who belong to Jesus will be in the presence of God forever. And those who do not belong to Jesus will be cut off from the loving presence of God forever. You will be in hell. And so there there will come a time when some of us will not see our own physical flesh and blood kinfolk anymore. But if I belong to Jesus and if you belong to Jesus, then we are a part of not merely God's temporal family. We are a part of God's eternal family. For what we share in common is Christ. We have each been bought by the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ has been shed for us and for our sins. The blood of Christ has been shed for us resulting in our eternal life, our adoption into the family of God. We are truly, genuinely, organically, eternally brothers and sisters in Christ. Or as Peter would say in the first verse, to those who obtained a faith of equal standing with ours. You see the bond, the commonality that we would share through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So what is this thing called brotherly affection, brotherly love, brotherly kindness? It is the regard that each of us who belong to Jesus are to have for each other who belong to Jesus. Well, what does that look like? 
What does brotherly affection, brotherly kindness, brotherly love consist of? Well, painting with broad strokes, it consists of two broad categories. Uh, brotherly affection is, is perhaps first, it's a disposition or an attitude. The very way that you and I would look at each other and regard of each other and, and what would pop into our head in reference to each other pertains to how we are cultivating and practicing brotherly affection in relationship to each other. We are to look at each other differently. We are to look at each other as though the person that we're looking at is well-loved by Jesus. Because they are. And that ought to shape the way we look at them. If Jesus loves them, where does that leave me? If they belong to Jesus, then, then how am I supposed to respond to that? Isn't it wearisome to try to do relationships in the world? Uh, and, and I say the world, meaning I'm not trying to um, exclude myself from the allure and the temptation to try to do relationships like the world does relationships. In the world, everybody's trying to get one up on each other. In other words, if I figured out a way to climb the ladder and climb over you to get to the top of the ladder, I'm good. I'm in. Sign me up. I'll take two. That's, that's the attitude that the... In other words, you're, you're just a thing for me to climb on. You're just, a, you're just a lesser something or another for me to get one up on. You're, you're just a, a means to my greater ends. Whereas brotherly affection uh, doesn't look at relationships. We don't, we don't do relationships like that. We are not trying to, at least we better not be, we are not trying to get one up on each other. We are trying to lift each other up. Second, we are not seeking to use others in service to us and to our preferences. All of us seems to be having been born with this posture. I mean, no one has to teach a baby this. No one has to teach toddlers this. No one, no one has to teach children this. And that is how to think first and foremost of yourself. Now, and I, and I, I get that. I get that there's a certain design even of the goodness of God in that, in that ba- babies need to... Uh, see that, uh, that there's other people around them to attend to their needs and to love them well and to care for them. And, and babies then, therefore, begin to interpret, wow, this whole universe seems to be about me. I mean, I mean I've got everybody wrapped around my finger. You know, I just, Diane and I are watching five of the grandkids this entire weekend. Uh, and um, and uh, it, it's like, this is like 24-hour room service is what this is. Uh, this is just a, a daunting, overwhelming task. It, 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 I, I, I just finished the, the breast breakfast dishes, and, and, and now I'm getting ready to prepare for lunch. And after lunch, I'm, I'm finishing those dishes, and I've got to figure out what's for dinner. It's just... And, 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 and you say, well, where's Diane and all that? Well, the Indians have her tied up in the corner somewhere, I think. <laughs> no, they, they're a joy and a treat. Well, we will watch them anytime, so. We, 
we don't do relationships like the world does. The world grows up with the notion that others are to be used in service to us. Others are to cater to our preferences. And the Scripture says we are to give preference one to another. We are to seek not to use others in service to us and to our means, but we are to seek to serve each other, other giving deference to our preferences. Uh, I'm just, now, a little caveat here. I mean, I should just give this disclaimer most any week, but now, this stuff is a lot easier to preach than it is to practice. All right? So just lest you think, boy, Diane must really have it made. You know, I mean, just Joe does this so perfectly all the time, and then he gets up on Sunday and tells us how perfectly he does it all the time. And, and uh, then you see Diane rolling her eyes over there and shaking her head. You know, it's just like, so there's a disconnect go- going on here. So th- th- these are what we are aspiring to do as we consider what brotherly affection consists of. Brotherly affection means that I, that I will fight the natural bent I have to, to, to use others in service to me, and I will seek to, uh, to serve others to what is good for them. Uh, another element, and these are just kind of random, just throwing out some, some examples maybe, uh, but a, a, another attitudinal orientation as to what brotherly affection looks like. Brotherly affection means that, that we will refrain from over-examining each other's weaknesses and shortcomings and flaws. Now, again, it just doesn't seem natural, does it? I mean, what's the, what, the, the people that you've been around the longest, I mean, what's, what's just the most natural thing that, that you are most aware about them? And that's why, honestly, some relationships don't end up lasting very long because, uh, you know, at first we're all able to kind of do the used car salesman thing and, and kind of fool you as to, as to who we might be. But after a while, uh, the real me seeps out, and you're like, ooh, I thought Joe was something, but I realize now he's nothing. I mean, look at the guy's weaknesses. Look at, look at his uh, shortcomings. Look at his flaws. He's, he's one messed up dude. I don't... In the words of my grandson from a few years ago, I, I'm not going to play with you no more. <laughs> there's, a certain, there's a certain turning point when, when, when we, when we, when we wake up one day and, 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 and realize that uh, the other person that we're in relationship, whether it's marriage or whether it was a friendship or whether it's church members or whatever, and, and we realize these people are, are chock full of weaknesses and shortcomings and flaws and to boot sins. Regarding each other with brotherly affection means that while we may make note of each other's weaknesses and flaws and shortcomings, we will choose not to obsess and over-examine those things. In fact, we will choose to focus more closely on each other's strengths and assets and accomplishments. We, we will, look, if you want relationships to work, you're going to have to look for good in the people that you're in relationship with. 
Now, I concede, sometimes you got to look hard and long, but you got to look. Brotherly affection means I'm going to look, and I'm going to look hard, and I'm going to examine until I find that's it. And then I will focus on that. I will rejoice in the goodness of God, in the work of, uh, that, of God in that other person's life. Look at this wonderful trait. Look at this asset. Look at this strength. Look at this accomplishment through this person. Yeah, yeah, they've, they've got some issues. They've got some weaknesses, and they've got some, uh, um, some, some shortcomings, and they've got some flaws. But that won't be the focus. Something that Peter would say in his first book, in First Peter chapter three, verse um, uh, First Peter chapter four, verse eight, he says, "Love covers a multitude of sins." And then he says, "Keep on loving each other earnestly." Love covers. In other words, if we have brotherly affection, that kind of love for each other as brothers and sisters in Christ, that means that that love will cover over a multitude of sins. And and that made that sound like a, an odd phrase, um, but I, I make it. I think it suggests at least two things. First of all, um, s- small things, small quirks about people, love will just simply forget those. No big deal. I can look past that. Yep, yep, they're not very good at that. Yep, that, that's a shortcoming they have. But, but you know what? I'm just not going to obsess about that. But, but I think it can also connote uh, love covers a multitude of sins. Is it, it certainly doesn't mean that we, are, that, we are, that we have a blind eye to each other's sins and character defects. Uh, but it means that rather than just simply criticizing someone's character defects or sins, our love for them will say, how can I help them with that? How can I move redemptively toward them and, and, and strengthen them in that, in that way? How, how can I, maybe the Lord would use me to help them out in that regard. I remember in 1984 when I did a really short stint as a youth minister in Plano, Texas. Um, and uh, you know, I was instantly thrust into the to this grand spiritual design of planning lots of fun activities for kids. I wasn't very good at that. Um, and, uh, but yet there was a lady in our church, her name was Louise, and, and she could tell I wasn't very good at that. I mean, the whole church knew I wasn't very good at that. So, so, but Louise's difference is Louise had brotherly affection toward me in that way. She, she saw a weakness and she said, you know, I'd like to meet with you when you get a chance. And we sat down, and she said, you know, I, I just perceive that you're not very good at organizing these activities for the youth. And, um, and, but, but I would like to help you with that. Bingo. I mean, that, that's, that's how love covers over a multitude of sins, even in regard to like, no, something's got to be done about that. Well, then, then do it redemptively. Do it purposefully. Do it lovingly. Move toward that person in helpful ways, not just in, I'm not your friend no more. Brotherly affection consists not just in attitudes, but let me mention a couple of actions. Some actions, a- actions, love, uh, loving our, each other as brothers and sisters in Christ means that we are willing to, to give at our cost. 
Christ paid our debt. He laid down his life for us and for our sins. The Bible says that there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And that would be ultimately the Lord Jesus Christ who laid down his life for his sheep. That he loves us as, 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 as his brothers and sisters. And he gave himself to do that. Love not only gives, but built upon that, love sacrifices in order to reconcile. Uh, Christ was a sacrifice so that you and I could not merely be pardoned of our sins, but so that you and I, in being pardoned of our sins, could be restored in right relationship with the God who made us. Christ lovingly gave himself for us. Christ lovingly sacrificed himself for us. And then coupled that with maybe a third element, uh, brotherly affection initiates. Doesn't wait on the side. It doesn't, brotherly love is not responsive. It's initiating. It, it initiates in order to, to serve. Christ came to this earth, he told us, not to be served, but to serve. And so the actions of brotherly affection are very much akin to the very actions of the Lord Jesus Christ. We would commit actions of giving to help the, 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 the need and, 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 and help give the support and the encouragement and, and the, the the, the sustenance that is needed in each other's lives. As brothers and sisters, we will give at cost to ourselves. Give of our time. Give of our effort. Give of whatever it is that's in front of us that's labeled a need. Love sacrifices in order to bring about harmony in the relationship and, and um, reconciliation in relationship. How many times have we found ourselves estranged from, from friends or estranged from our spouse or whatever, and, and it becomes like a, 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 a standoff? It, it, it's just like, well, um, well I'll, I'll forgive once you, you forgive, and, or I'll forgive once you uh, make the first move. And, and, and there's a time and a place to sort through all, all of that consists of, and, and, and yet love initiates. Love doesn't say, I'm going to wait for you to make the first move. Love steps out and makes the first move. Well, those are some things that, uh, as we consider brotherly affection, and then quickly, uh, how do we cultivate brotherly affection. There's an interesting passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. Uh, the Apostle Paul writes to the church there and says, Now concerning brotherly love. And then he says, this is so interesting, but, but connect the dots here. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you. In other words, you don't need any lessons on this. Isn't that a beautiful picture? He's writing to this church, and he says, you know what? I, I can't add much more to the subject of brotherly affection than what you guys are already doing. 
What an encouragement. He goes, for you have been taught by God to love one another. And I, and I would just add that. Look, if you truly belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, then, then one evidence that you truly belong to the Lord Jesus Christ is that the Lord by his spirit is already teaching you that you have brothers and sisters in the Lord and they belong to you and you belong to them and you are to have affection and kindness and love toward them so that when the preacher gets up and preaches about that, you go, I've already heard that. I, I, it's already in my heart. The Spirit of God has shed the love of God abroad in my heart, and that love is seeping out, and not only am I convinced of God's love for me, but now that reorients how I view my brothers and sisters. He says, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another, for that indeed is what you are doing. But then he says, then he says so the, but we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more. So, are you practicing brotherly kindness? What, what Paul would say is, then keep going. Do it some more. And do it some more. In other words, we really are uh, to, to consider, how can I cultivate brotherly kindness toward my brothers and sisters in the Lord? You say, well, I'm already doing a pretty good job of that. Paul would say, that's great. Keep on doing some more. I mean, you get the impression this is, this is not something that we ever, like, completely graduate from. This is not a time where we just like, whew, I need to take a break and congratulate myself. I mean, I mean, look at myself. I look in the mirror and I think, is there anybody that loves people more than I do? I mean, I, this is just a wonderful congratulatory moment in my life. You are one loving dude. And I, we, we never arrive at that. It, you, you, say you did well this past week on finding someone to love well. That's great. Uh, you've got a new week. So we really are to cultivate. And yet, how do we cultivate? Well, I would remind us of where we've come. We started out, um, uh, make every effort. In other words, do, work as hard as you can at this. Make every effort to supplement your faith with... And it, it's quite a while before we get to brotherly kindness or brotherly affection. In other words, so one way to consider how we cultivate brotherly affection is to make sure that we're taking seriously the cultivation of the traits, the character traits that go on before this. In other words, and part of what I'm trying to show is that, is that there's no way we'll get our mind around what brotherly affection consists of until we first get our mind around what does virtue consist of. If you and I are lacking in virtue... I guarantee you we are lacking in how to do brotherly affection. We have to know what is right. This is where our culture loves to use the word love, but our culture does not understand robust, true concepts of love. Our culture starts with the, the bold assertion, love is love, which I was told you should never use the same word in the definition. Love is love. What does that even mean? What our scriptures start with is not love is love. Our scriptures start with God is love. In other words, whatever we think we might want to know and do about love, we have to first know a thing or two about who is God and what's he like. Without a knowledge of God, our, our, our talk of love is silly. 
We have to know some things about God. We have to know some things about virtue. We have to, we have, so add to your faith virtue and your virtue knowledge. And, 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 and then if we're going to do brotherly affection well, built upon knowledge and virtue, we've got to cultivate self-control. Because there's times I want to open my mouth and cut you. That's what I desire to do. But brotherly affection says, hold on a minute. Before you open your mouth and fulfill your desire of cutting that person, remember that you're to know what the right thing is to do, and you're to have the knowledge to know how to do that, and you're to have the self-control to get a handle on your own desires, that it might feel a bit good and therapeutic to cut you, but it's also void of brotherly affection. And then we have to know a thing or two about steadfastness. We, when it gets tough, when you are, when you are persistent in being ornery, it, it, and yet the Scripture keeps telling me, I, I have to regard you with brotherly affection. You ornery. How do we maintain that tenacity, that stick to that that you keep coming at me with your honoriness, and I'm going to keep coming at me, coming at you with my brotherly affection? I am going to be steadfast in that. Do, do, do you see the sequence here? We can't. We don't just pull any of these out of its context and say, this is a nice little ditty about being nice to your brother or your sister. No, this is, this is a sequence of, of a whole host of, of qualities and character traits that, that we would take serious because we want to take serious brotherly affection. And so we want to take serious virtue. We want to take serious uh, knowledge. We want to take serious self-control. We want to take serious steadfastness. We want to orient our entire life to God. And so we want to take serious godliness. And out of that context, we are suited. We are in place to how we look at each other and how we treat each other in regard to this thing of brotherly affection. Why is this important? Why is this important? John would say in 1 John chapter 3, verse 14, this is how we know we've passed from death to life. No, this is how we know that we truly belong to Jesus. This is how we know we're no longer dead in our sins, but we're alive to God. This is how we know we've crossed from death to life. And here's what he says, because we love the brothers. No desire, no capability, no actions of love toward your brothers and sisters. And John would say, why is it that you think you're a Christian? In fact, he would say in the next verse, 1 John three fifteen, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. What a sober warning. This is no, like, I, I love Jesus, but I can't stand you. Jesus says, then you, then you don't love me because you're messing with somebody that I love. Uh, before church, uh, uh, Freddie uh, congratulated me on 25 years here. And I, I, my quick response was, well, I said, you know what? You're actually the... The, the person in this church who's known me the longest in this church. So I don't know if he gets a medal for that or whatever, but uh, I, I, I mean, he was a part of the search committee. Uh, him and Jerry Molnar was a part of that search committee as well. Uh, but I don't see Jerry. I can't pick on him. But, um, but, but, uh, uh, but, uh, but so, so anyway, um, I, I, I said, well, you've 
you've had, you've had to put up with me the longer than anybody in this church. And he said, well, that's just based upon the grace of God. Yeah. No, but that's true. That's true. In other words, you and I and, and, and how we love each other as brothers and sisters in Christ, and he just meant that jokingly, uh, as we love each other in Christ, um, we, we demonstrate that we really belong to Jesus. We demonstrate that we know a thing or two about God's love for us, that God has been so kind to us when we were ill-deserving of such kindness. And so John would say in verse 16, uh, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. You see, that should set the tone for our understanding of Christianity. Christianity originates around the second member of the Godhead who took on flesh and became a man and laid down his life for us so that we would be brought into right relationship with a holy God. And that, that is not only the truth that we depend upon, but that is the very flavor that we are to reflect. We are to be a people who practice the characterization of laying down our lives for each other. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you would teach us that in your grace and your kindness that you would give us your scriptures and that you would orient us by your spirit to your scriptures so that we would know these things and love these things. So thank you, Father. Now stir in our hearts. Remove anything that's not worth hanging on to. But what is of you, Father, drive that home into our souls this day. For we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand.